Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Maybe God's promised you something and you're waiting. Just, just be patient. Be patient. God is faithful. Your Father loves you, right? I've never waited on God, and I got to remind myself this sometimes. I've never waited on God and then got what God gives me and said, well, that wasn't worth waiting for. Never. I mean, that's never happened, right? And I've never waited on God and then it comes to pass and I'm like, what was all that waiting for? Usually when it happens, you look back and think, wow, now I know what that was all about. Waiting is something we all have to do. You've got to wait at the doctor's office, at the DMV, and when you're in line at the grocery store. Sometimes it really seems like a waste of time. But there are times when you wait for something and it's well worth it. Pastor Bill teaches you in today's message that when you wait for something God promised you, it's always worth it. Sometimes you might begin to wonder what you're actually waiting for, but when God comes through, it's always worth the wait. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 24, as he continues his message, Heart After God. As a believer, sometimes you're going to come under attack, and you can't default to what you used to do when you didn't know the Lord. Because some of us, when we did know the Lord, you attack me, you, you better be you better be ready for the, for the show. You know, uh, I, just, I can attack, too. You know, so and now as believers, God is saying, no, nah, I want you to let that go. Let me avenge that. If it needs to be dealt with, let me deal with it. Let me avenge it. Let me handle that situation for you. Uh, and I'll give this last illustration. I had a job when uh, right before I went to Bible college, I worked at this telescope company and. Uh, there was a, I, I went from one department to another. So I went to work in the warehouse. I had got promoted into this position and I'm, I'm on, I'm on high. I'm in there. I mean, I'm loving the Lord. I'm, I got, I'm witnessing the folks. I'm going for it. And so uh, there was a couple guys in the warehouse and I would witness to them, share with them. Uh, one of the guys wanted to be a comedian. And so I know he was doing stuff at clubs and whatnot. So he got me aside, him and another guy, and they had asked me what looked like very serious questions about the Bible. So I was like, oh, man, I'm all game. And I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm, when I'm telling you that, that the Bible is how you reel me in. So I'm answering these questions and I'm I'm giving it out. And the guy's asking me about Noah's Ark and the animals and this and that. And I'm explaining why and what God was doing and creating all these different things. And then when he got done, there was a punchline. And uh, so when he hit me with the punchline, I realized all of this was a joke. Everything in my flesh said, you know what, these these dudes are taking advantage. They don't know who I was. They don't know what I you know, I know what I am underneath, you know, the Jesus in me. And I was I, I cannot tell you that I was so tempted to just I was going to unbox. I'm going to unbox the old man. I'm gonna, Y'all need to see real quick. You know, you're not going to be pulling me aside, asking me some stupid questions like this. But I didn't. The Lord wouldn't let me do it. Right. And I held my peace Well, our boss who they've never seen. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I play around. I smile. I'll be singing to myself. She saw my countenance and she waited later and she called me, said, come up here. And she called me into the office with another lady. She says, I want to know what just happened right there. And I'm like, ah, it's all good. And she's like, no, I, I, I could, I know something happened. I want to know what happened. I'm like, I'm not giving it up. I'm not going to be the snitch. If I'm not going to sock you, I'm not going to snitch, you know? <laughs> Here's what happens the next day. Both of those guys the next day are demoted. I never said what they did. She called them in separately. And I don't know if they said what happened or whatever. Both of them were demoted. And so I go back to work and I'm like, 
Oh, why are you over there, bro? Like, <laughs> no, I didn't do that, you know. But it was the Lord showed me that, you know, you could have done something and maybe you'd be gone or you'd be in trouble or you don't ruin your witness. But God had just dealt with it. He 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 complete. And I didn't necessarily want them to, you know, be demoted or lose a job. But I did see in that God was like, you don't if you stay out of it. I'll deal with it. Right. That was going to be too much for you, because maybe if they did it one more time, I was going to snap. And the Lord's like, look, you, you need to see, you need to see. I got you. I got you, Bill. I, I know you got limits. You know, you, you're growing. So the Lord, the Lord handled that. My point in all this is if we stay out of it, we can stay right with the Lord. And if somebody else needs to be dealt with, let the Lord do it. Let the Lord handle those problems. So David says, look, the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand's not going to be against you. I'm not going to be guilty of doing it myself. Verse 13, as the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. And so David just said, look, wickedness comes from the wicked. That's who does wicked. If you're doing wicked stuff, it's because you're the wicked. That's essentially what he's telling Saul here. Um, Verse 14, after whom has the king of Israel come out and what of whom do you pursue? A dead dog, a flea. Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. And so even here we see David is just humble. David said, look, I'm I'm a man. What are you? Why are you? I'm just I'm not a big deal. David doesn't see himself as a big. We do. Because we see David after the fact, right? We see David as the sweet psalmist of Israel, the king, one of the good guys. But David here says, man, I'm, I'm just a dog, dead dog, a flea, man. I'm not, why are you even bothering with me? I'm not even a big deal. I go back home to my daddy's house, man, and watch the sheep. I'm not, you know, I'm, David wasn't trying to be something. The Lord had plucked him out of the sheepfold and brought him in. Saul and David's gifting, Saul plucked David out of his dad's house to come play for him because the evil spirits were tormenting him. And so again, he says, the Lord judge, the Lord be the judge between you and me and let him see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. Once again, so I want to emphasize what God emphasizes. If there's someone coming for you, coming against you, let the Lord judge, let the Lord deal. Don't fight for yourself. Don't defend yourself. Let the Lord do it. And that was something my my old pastor told me that if you get into the habit of defending yourself, it could become a full time job. You know, that all you be doing. No, I didn't. No, what happened was and what they did, you know, and and then sometimes defending yourself, you got to attack other people. Sometimes the best thing to do is just let I'll let the Lord deal with that. I know who I am. I know what I've done. I'm going to keep it moving. That's not going to become my full time job, you know, Uh, because that's a very stressful thing to do. You always got to be defending and fighting and arguing and bickering. Sometimes the the best thing to do is just let it be right. Jesus is maybe the greatest example of this. Right. When they accuse him, he was like he could have answered, but he didn't. It bothered them. They're like, look, do you know who you're in front of? I got the power to take your life. He says, no, you don't. You think you do. You know, you don't have power to take my life. He didn't even bother. I'm not going to answer you. I'm not even going to bother with these things. Uh, Verse 16, it says, so it was when David had finished speaking these words that Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? I think Saul was schizophrenic, y'all. Now now he's going to be all sweet. He's all humble. And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And then he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And this may be the truest thing that Saul says. They said, David, you are more righteous than I. That's 100 percent true. 
um, because David has been good to Saul and Saul has repaid David with evil. Now, the Bible says something about this. Right. And you want to be careful about repaying evil with good. If someone has blessed you, been good to you, children, listen to me. Children uh, that, you know, you've been you've been in a household. Somebody's cared for you, looked after you, taken care of you, poured into your life, paid for your stuff, all that. The Bible says something about doing turning around and doing evil to those that have done you good. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 13. It says, whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. That's a word, man. I mean, if somebody do you, if someone doing good to you, God said, well, don't repay them with evil. Be good back or be benign, but don't repay good with evil uh, or you, you don't have trouble in your own household. We definitely see that with Saul. Things never quite get right for Saul, right? They stay messed up. They stay this way. Uh, there's another verse in Romans. I want everybody to read this one with me. So go, everybody go to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 17 through 21. So this is our instruction uh, about dealing with the evil, right? It says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Y'all get that? If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, believer, be, live uh, peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. That's the believer's response. They've been done wrong. The evil been happening. They treated me bad. God said, just don't repay them. Don't repay you. Bless them. They curse you. Bless them. Do good to those that treat you bad. He says, uh, don't be overcome with evil, but instead overcome evil with good. That's the will of God for believers. That's how we're to live in response to wickedness and evil things that happen in our lives. Um, through people. So moving on now in verse 18, it says, and you have shown this day, Saul still speaking to David, how you have shown this day, how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. And so in this moment, Saul is acknowledging that, man, I, I know it. He, he's been known it. Right. But he's acknowledged. He's saying it to David. I know you're going to be the king. That's why I'm trying to kill you. You know, but I, I know it's coming. I know I know God is with you. And Saul had to see the goodness, the holiness in David. Right. To see that, man, you had me in the cave. I'm out here trying to catch you and you had me and let that had to just speak to his heart. And uh, he says, I, I know that the kingdom of Israel is going to be established. And well, you should know it because God told you directly. God said, I'm taking the kingdom from you and I'm going to give it to someone better than you. Them words probably had to sting in Saul because Saul wouldn't obey. Saul wouldn't do what God said to do. And God said, I'm going to give it to someone better. I'm going to give it to someone that's going to do what I say do. 
I put you in position. I gave you an anointing. I've empowered you. You got the Holy Ghost upon your life and you won't do what I say do. God took it all back and said, I'm going to give it to someone else. Now, can I tell you that that's similar to something we see in the New Testament? If you look at the talents, the parable of the talents, God says, look, I gave to three different people, five talents, three talents, two talents. And uh, that it may not, that's maybe not be the exact numbers, but, you know, di- different numbers. And I said the, the master went away and said, hey, you know, uh, you know, use this. When I when I get back, I want to I want to I want to return on this. And the person with five doubled up ten. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Person with three doubled up six. Well done. Good and faithful. No, notice the same phrase to both people that had done something with it. Didn't matter if you had, you know, you had more to begin with. They both had done well. But the one that dug it in the hole and put it in the dirt, he says, you wicked servant, you wicked servant. You didn't do anything with it. you. Just dug it and put it in the dirt. You, I got, you got nothing. You should at least put it in the bank. I would have had something for it. But now you're going to give me back exactly what I gave you. You got to undig it. Now it's dirty, you know. And um, he says, you wicked servant. You know, it's, it's, and he said, look, I'm going to take I'm going to take what you got and give it to the him that has most. I'm going to give it to one that's proven that that he can do something with it, um, that he's been faithful with what I've given him. And so, you know, that's in, in, in the kingdom of God. This is so fair. It's so right. In the kingdom of God, God deals with us based on our faithfulness. Here's why that's so cool. Everybody here can be faithful. What if it was on your giftedness? Well, some of you are more gifted than others. And that would be unfair. What if it was talent? Some of you are more talented than others. Some of you are smarter than others. Some of you can do certain things better than others. But you know, what? we all have the capacity for faithfulness. And God says, so the, the principle in the kingdom is faithfulness. Doesn't matter what you start with. Don't matter how much you got. Don't matter. Be faithful with what you got. And, and that's what I reward. Faithfulness. That that means that everybody here is we can all be faithful. Right. We can all be 100 percent faithful with what God has given us. And God says, and I will reward your faithfulness. And so I would just encourage us. uh, I want to grow in faithfulness. I want to grow in God. You put these things in my hand. I want to I want to be more and more and more. I want to be faithful. Some people think that everybody's going to die in here. Well done, good and faithful servant. But y'all know God can't lie. Right. So if you ain't done well and been a faithful servant, you know, God ain't going to say that to everybody. Some people are going to hear you, you made it by the skin of your teeth. You, you, I'm good. I'm, you know, you, you just barely made it in. You know, everybody's not going to be told, well done, good and faithful. That's for those that did well and were good and faithful. But faithful is what we want to be. Faithful is it's what God rewards. It's what he blesses. And unfaithfulness, God punishes. So the, the one who was unfaithful is you wicked servant. And he put them with those with the with the torturers, you know. And so so moving on, it says, um, verse 21, therefore, swear. This is Saul speaking. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. And that is a sad, sad, sad verse. Saul is still concerned with himself. Hey, man, please. Hey, since I got you here. Swear to me, swear to God, swear to God, you're not going to cut off my family, that my name is going to still, I still want my name to still be, you know, don't cut off my family's name. Swear to God, you won't do it. And he's still just caring about himself. Every time Saul has these moments where he can get it right. Remember when Samuel confronted Saul about the animals and what Saul was concerned with was the people were there. 
And Saul told Samuel, well, just come to worship with me. Why? He wanted him to come worship so that he would still look valid. Samuel still rocking because everybody knew Samuel was a man of God. He said, Samuel, come to worship. Why? Because I want people to see you with me so that they think I'm still I'm still good to go. I, it's for my image. I need you to come with me. Rock with me. Not didn't care about getting right with the Lord. Didn't care about the thing that asked Samuel, what do I need to do to get right? Man, I done messed up. He had no desire to repent, no desire to turn around, no desire to get right. What do I need to do to make sure that people still see me as God's man? That's all he cared about was what people could see. Can I warn you against that? And this can sometimes be maybe the flaw in church folks that church folk, you know, there's behavior that's expected about us as church folk. And we can be we can get to such a place where we're not really taking heed to who we really are. We're just getting good at pretending to people. I, I know what's expected of me here. So I know what to say. How you do? I'm blessed. I'm doing good. You, you read? Yeah, I've been reading. Yeah, it's been good. What, what are you getting? What are you hearing from the Lord? Oh, it's been so good. Oh, it's been. What was it about? It was, uh, Jesus. You know, just, 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 you know, just saying whatever, trying to say the right things, trying to. Sometimes that's what we can do. And instead of just being real and saying, you know, I'm not doing too great. I'm struggling. I sinned. I've fallen. I need prayer. Courage. I need. I need encouragement. I'm lacking. Whatever it is, right? I, if I can encourage you guys, my prayer for us, right? I can't do anything about everywhere else, but my prayer for us, we really want to foster an environment and atmosphere where people can be real, right? Where people can say, if I'm not doing well, tell me you're not doing well so we can pray for you. You messed up. Say you messed up so we can come aside you and strengthen you. We're not here to beat you up. We're definitely not here to kick our wounded. And so when somebody falls in sin, we're going to be here to build them up, minister to them and see them strong. I'd rather somebody say, man, I'm really struggling. Actually, I'm blowing it. And we know how to we'll come alongside you and, and help you so that when that person tells me, bro, I'm doing great. Two weeks in, I'm having great victory. I, I can really rejoice in that. Uh, I remember when we were before we planted the church, I was on staff at Calvary Chapel Downey. So I was in a very big churchy environment. Everybody had to behave a certain way. Most of the people I worked with were on staff. Everybody had to you know, dot their I's and cross their T's. Didn't nobody know you were struggling or battling with nothing. It was a very unhealthy environment in some respects. And then we were doing a home Bible study with a bunch of guys that I grew up with. And when I tell you that it was raw, raw, because they didn't know churchy. So they would show up and I would say, hey, let's go around. Everybody say, how you doing? And then we're going to pray and then we'll, we'll have the Bible study. And I had we had times where guys like, hey, bro, this week, three days in a row, I haven't smoked weed. So I'm like, you know, I'm right now I'm rolling in here on three days. And it was like, hey, let's praise the Lord for his three days, y'all. We ha I had a guy in the Bible study say, man, I'm doing good. I rolled up on the prostitute and I started talking to her and then I felt convicted and I just gave her the money and drove off. And we were like, hey, praise God, man. You, you didn't pick her up. You know, this last time you picked her up and took her, you know, this time you just, man, you gave, praise the Lord. You know, it was just raw. Nope. They didn't even know to be fake. And I remember for me, it was so refreshing to say like, OK, they're saying what's really going on. So we're really talking about what's really going on. And we saw God bring some real victories and real deliverance. And that became a prayer like, God, we need this in the church. We need people to know. Don't please don't. I, I hate this phrase. People say fake it till you make it. Please don't do that. If you fake it, you'll never make it. First of all, <laughs> you'll just become a good fake. Um, and so, again, my encouragement to us, unlike Saul, who very concerned for externals, how he looked. Hey, please make sure, make sure you don't promise me my family's name is going to be still around. 
Who cares about your family's name if you ain't right with God, bro? He didn't have a heart after the Lord. He didn't care about what God cared about. He cared about everything else. And so, again, Saul would be the example of all that we don't want to be. A selfish man, a carnal man, a man that cares for the things of himself, his flesh, but doesn't care for the things of God. And David would, in contrast, be an example of what we want to be. Men and women whose hearts are after God's heart. That when we do the wrong thing and our, our, we're convicted about it, that we're like, mm, I shouldn't have done that. And we repent. That we can humble ourselves before mean people and difficult people and not really care about how we look to them. It's about how we look to the Lord. That, that we use our influence and leadership over other people to stop them from doing evil. Right. David could have easily said, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to just step back. And if they do it, I mean, yeah, that's not on me. I didn't do it, but he didn't do that. Right. He could have that. That would have been the easy out. You know, I, I'm not going to stretch out my hand to touch the Lord's anointed, but I'm going to just back up and I know the, what's going to naturally happen is they're going to go do it. But David used his influence and power to stop them. He says it says that he restrained them with these words. He stopped them from the same. He said, no, 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 I'm, I'm a leader here. I'm responsible here. I'm going to stop you guys. From, don't don't nobody do it. If I'm not going to do it. Nobody's going to do it. He becomes, again, for, for us in so many places, an example of what we want to be. Men and women with hearts that are after the Lord, tender hearted, convicted easily, turned back to the Lord quickly. And most importantly, what I see in this chapter, we see, we're going to see in the following chapters as we continue to go. Someone that was willing to wait a long time for God to bring to pass what he promised. And, and it's not just waiting a long time. It's waiting a long time while going through difficult stuff. So it's not just waiting. David's waiting while being chased and hiding and, you know, ducking caves, fighting wars, jumping in battles like he's waiting while going through difficulty, but he's still waiting on the Lord. And so uh, I would encourage anybody here that's waiting on the Lord. Maybe you have a word from God, a direction from the Lord. Maybe God's promised you something and you're waiting. Just just be patient. Be patient. God is faithful. Your father loves you. Right. I've never waited on God. And I got to remind myself this sometimes. I've never waited on God and then got what God gives me and said, well, that wasn't worth waiting for. Never. I've, that's never happened. Right. And I've never waited on God. And then it comes to pass. And I'm like, what was all that waiting for? Usually when it happens, you look back and think, wow, right, now I know what that was all about. You know, I planted we planted Calvary Chapel Inglewood in 2010. Right. I wanted to plant Calvary Chapel Inglewood in 2000. We tried, right? We tried. I tried in 2000, tried in 2003, 2005, and God just wasn't doing it then. And all these years, finally in 2010, and you know what? I look back and I look back at 10 years of God growing me, 10 years of God put me in a place where I can teach every week, um, every Sunday, every Wednesday and counsel and do ministry and all these different things. 10 years of learning how to do the ministry, 10 years of being at a church where my kids were little and they can go to school for free and I got to be a daddy. I wasn't so busy in the ministry that my kids are like, where's my dad? I'm, they see me every day. They see me at school. They see me at home. I look back now and I'm like, wow, that, that was a season. That season had its purpose. And now, now this season has its purpose. Uh, it didn't make sense while I was waiting, but now it makes sense. Now I look back and I think, wow, Lord, next time I got to wait, I need to do it with, some, with a lot more patience and a lot more understanding that you know what you're doing. So I say that to encourage you guys that are waiting. Your daddy knows what he's doing. He has your best interests in mind always. And he's never late and he's never wrong on the timing. Amen. All right. Last verse, verse 22. So, so David swore to Saul 
And Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. So when this thing all ended, David said, okay, Saul, fine. I'm not going to mess with your family. And so Saul left and David and his men went on up to the stronghold. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.